Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. Thank you for listening, for downloading, for being a part of the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I do appreciate your listening and bringing me with you, whether you are driving or doing errands or folding laundry. I try to keep these short, just give you a couple things to think about uh, as you are doing something other than fishing um, and as you prepare for your next fly fishing season or your next fly fishing outing. And today I want to talk about a transition that virtually everybody makes in fishing. And uh, every one of us starts somewhere and then kind of moves on. Um, for a lot of us, we started fishing when we were younger, and it was worms and bobbers for bluegill. And then as we uh, grew up and as we had more opportunities, if we stayed involved in fly fishing, then we transitioned into more advanced conventional gear and then into fly fishing and then pursuing trout. But there are also a lot of folks who see fly fishing and whether they get brought along by somebody who's already into it or they just see a Orvis advertisement or they go out west and they see that it'd be a fun thing to do to get a guide for the day. They, they just start fly fishing kind of in that, again, prototypical trout fishing paradigm. And that's fine. There's there's no wrong answer. But what I would suggest is that you're missing out on something if you haven't fished for bluegill. You're missing out on something if you haven't fished for panfish and bass and taking advantage of not just those fisheries, but also some of the things that come along with it. So in this uh, podcast, I'd like to talk about four benefits for uh, making that transition from trout to panfish um, and how it can actually benefit your uh, trout fishing and then talk uh, briefly about uh, gear and uh, some other things to consider as you um, maybe fish in a more diverse manner. The first thing is actually really plain and simple and that's you get to fish more. Uh, A lot of folks don't have the 
privilege of being right on a trout stream, being close to a big major trout river, uh, but virtually everybody is within a stone's throw of a bass pond. Virtually everybody is able to drive just around their neighborhood or even just in an adjacent town and get into a location where there are lots of uh, bluegill, sunfish, rock bass, you name it. And while there are certainly times and seasons where these warm water species are uh, not as willing to go after a fly, they aren't as seasonally affected as species like trout are. So what this can do is it can give you a longer fly fishing fix throughout the calendar year, but it can also provide intermittent opportunities for fly fishing that you might not otherwise have if you're having to travel long distances either for day trips or for longer weekend excursions. So that's the first thing. Having these fish as a target species gives you an opportunity to get after fly fishing and it gives you that feeling like you're staying involved in this thing that you enjoy, um, this, this passion of yours. So that's the first thing. The second thing is casting. Um, I can't stress enough how important fly casting is. Uh, I think we'd all be better anglers if we were better fly casters because the better you cast, the better your presentation is, the less mending you have to do, the more precise your contact with your fly is. But all that to say is that you actually kind of get a real um, hyperbolic sense of casting uh, with with warm water species and that happens for a few reasons first of all you're throwing usually heavier flies uh, if you're fishing streamers or just because there are larger flies or you're throwing more wind resistant flies because you're throwing poppers or sliders or even just streamers that have a lot of mass to them um, even if they aren't necessarily weighted and so what that does is it gets you thinking about line control about really being deliberate with your stroke. If you are throwing a fly that might be a little bit heavy for your setup, and I'll talk a little bit about that at the end when we talk about gear, but I found that throwing wind-resistant flies is a great way to focus on your casting, being really deliberate again about your stroke, understanding the mechanics of your arm, uh, how you generate line speed, where you make those stops, um, you, a, a streamer or something that isn't specific to warm water fishing, uh, but you know, like a, a weighted fly, like a clouds or something with dumbbell eyes, um, or a really wind resistant fly, like a like a just a traditional cork popper, they're not going to be as forgiving as a size 16 atoms if you uh, drop your your elbow while you're casting, or if you bend your wrist too much um, on your your back cast and your loops be begin to get really large and you start losing control, those flies are going to show your weaknesses. Uh, those flies are going to, um, in some ways, uh, amplify and again, it's going to be kind of like a hyperbole of casting. It's going to really throw things out of whack. Now, that's a real broad, overgeneralized, non-scientific way to explain it, but what I've found is that um, the fish might be a little more forgiving, not to say that bluegill are dumb or bass are pushovers, but I can throw a messy, splashy cast with a popper, and that might uh, intrigue them more than if I were to throw a messy, sloppy cast with a 
humpy to a trout. And so it, it kind of gives you a, a experimenting uh, session for your cast and allows you to work out line control. Just like a uh, baseball uh, player swinging the, the bat with a donut when they're in the on-deck circle to kind of um, have this exaggerated heavy swing. When you get out there then and you are throwing lighter flies, you really feel like you can uh, have some really good touch and you have a lot of line control. So uh, that's the second thing. You have uh, some great casting practice. Uh, the third thing is streamers. Uh, fly fishing, where we are today in 2019, we're, uh, I think we're past peak streamer saturation or whatever you'd want to call it, but that doesn't mean that it's not still a very viable part of your fly fishing repertoire, that it shouldn't be a valuable part of your fly fishing repertoire. But it doesn't have to be those six or eight inch triple articulated streamers. You can absolutely throw inch and a half woolly buggers. But fly fishing for bass and panfish is a great way to try to figure out the feel of different stripping approaches. Um, sometimes we think that we throw a big meaty streamer for trout and they're just going to bend over backwards and, and eat what we're, we're throwing to them because, I mean, why wouldn't they? But the reality is, is that these fish, uh, are predatory, but they're also, uh, very conscious of staying alive. So something that is out of the ordinary isn't always a dinner bell. It might be a fire alarm to them. Bass and panfish react the same way. So Again, you're never going to find two situations of the same species, let alone different species, where the fish are going to respond exactly the same. Uh, there's so many environmental variables that go into what a fish does. But what you're able to do is start to figure out the nuances of your own um, retrieves, whether they be fast or whether they be slow, sync rates for your different lines and your different flies, different leader formulas, and if you are able to head out to the local pond and cast and figure out your sink rate, figure out what one foot strips feel like, what one inch strips feel like, and uh, see when and where fish bite on those retrieves, uh, again, it's not going to be a perfect one-to-one -one correlation going from the bass pond to the trout river, but you're going to learn a lot about your own gear and you'll also probably learn about your impatience with stripping your flies in. Uh, that's something that I think we all probably could benefit from is a lot more patience when we're stripping flies in. We uh, might only let a sinking line sink for a few seconds before we start pulling it in, therefore rendering the sinking line virtually useless because we've all of a sudden pulled it way up in the water column. And we're able to kind of focus on those things in a situation, an environment where the fish might be a little bit more forgiving and are going to still uh, pursue your fly uh, with great ferocity. So first thing is you're on the water more. Second thing, casting practice. Third thing is stripping streamers. And the fourth thing I would say is dry fly hook setting practice. Um, I don't know about you, but I've had seasons in my life where I just, for the some reason, am struggling with hooking fish on dry flies. Maybe I'm the only one, but uh, this is something that I've had problems with. And it's and it's not just necessarily dead drifted midges and, you know, small uh, traditional cat skill dries. It's mice. It, it's hoppers. It's stuff like that where I'm really just in a bad state of mind or, or something like that, and I'm pulling flies out of fish's mouth. And to use another baseball analogy, it's like I have the yips, 
uh, the fish yips where I am constantly just trying harder and harder and consequently I'm pulling more flies out of fish's mouths. Um, again, there's probably a number of variables leading to me doing this and not fishing the way I ought to be fishing, but I've also found that I don't have that same problem when I'm fishing for warm water species, uh, specifically panfish and bass. I hook up a lot more frequently um, when I'm popping uh, bass bugs and also when I'm drifting smaller uh, dry flies for, for panfish. And it isn't because, again, these fish are easier to catch. I think that my focus is just different. I'm probably a lot more easygoing when I'm fishing for these species. And so when I am aware that I'm struggling on the trout stream, but I'm doing okay on the bass pond, there's been times where I've tried to be deliberate about what am I doing that's different? Am I waiting? Am I doing something different with my line hand? Am I setting the rod uh, to the side versus vertically? And a few times this has been very, very insightful as I've kind of uh, course corrected some of the things that I've been doing on the trout stream by just goofing around throwing uh, little bushy dry flies for panfish. Um, and I, honestly, you know, you, you think about a, a panfish's mouth, uh, and virtually all of those species have really, really tiny mouths. And uh, although they strike with a lot of fervor, hooking them is a smaller percentage game than hooking a trout just because of the surface area of a panfish's mouth versus a trout's mouth. So that's one more area of your fly fishing game that you can use another form of fishing to work on. Uh, your your tactics and your technique. But the last thing I want to mention, just kind of going back to those four things, being on the water more, casting practice, streamer fishing practice, and dry fly setting practice, is I don't want to sell bass fishing and panfish fishing short. While getting into this uh, area of fly fishing might be simple, mastering it is the furthest thing from that. Getting into the truly large sunfish and you know, I, I've said it before, I would rather tangle with 12-inch bluegill all day than 12-inch trout. They are aggressive, and they are hard-fighting, and they taste really good, too. But aside from all that, these are totally viable, worthwhile pursuits unto themselves. This, again, isn't a you do this kind of fishing so you can go trout fishing. All I'm saying is if you trout fish and you don't fish for bass and panfish, these are some reasons why you ought to try it out. And what I am pretty confident of is that you'll probably enjoy it a lot more than you, you think you will if you, if you um, aren't doing it already. So the last thing I wanted to mention is gear, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this because what I'm going to say is just fish with what you got. If you have a nine foot six weight, great, you're going to kill it. It's going to be um, a simple thing uh, to to utilize that gear for bass and panfish. If you have an eight and foot half foot five weight, same thing. You're going to struggle with the larger poppers. I mean, especially if you get to size two, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge to get it far out and also to get any accuracy on it. But you're going to be able to make it work with smaller poppers and uh, you're not going to necessarily limit the size of the fish that you catch, especially if you're targeting uh, panfish and, and not larger bass, whether it be largemouth or smallmouth. So I would say fish with your five weights and your six weights, not going to have a problem. If you're targeting specifically panfish, again, you're going to be okay with a three weight or a four weight. 
you're not going to be able to throw the heavier lead-eyed um, weighted streamers or the super wind-resistant poppers. But again, for, for panfish, you're talking about poppers in the 8, 10, 12 size uh, and streamers in, around that same size, which would be a little bit of a challenge depending on the flex profile of your three weight. But for a four weight, you should be able to do it no problem. Uh, but just like anything, once you have a lot of weight on a lighter rod, you want to make sure that you're being careful that you're not going to whack yourself on the back of the head or the ear and then as far as flies go you're probably okay with the streamers in your trout streamer box you just should mix in some uh, poppers some sliders some foam uh, terrestrials dragonflies and things like that you really can fish almost all the same sort of flies i catch a lot of panfish on traditional trout nymphs and uh, this has been one of my tactics for getting larger panfish. So throwing a foam hopper with like a, uh, a pheasant tail dropper down a couple of feet, uh, it, it, it kills. And I'm surprised, I'm constantly and consistently surprised at how many bass I catch on trout nymphs. Not just smallmouth, like I talked about a few episodes back when I was talking about the Shenandoah, but largemouth bass that'll cruise along and take small nymphs, even, uh, you know, like... Um, uh, Frenchies and things like that. It really blows my mind how fish, if something's right in front of them, they're not going to just let it bump them in the face. They're going to open their mouths and eat it. So all that to say, give warm water fly fishing a shot if you just started in trout fishing and you've stayed in trout fishing. Um, and if you have started fishing with bass and panfish with grandpa at the farm pond, then go back to that. Try to see what you're missing, what you've forgotten. And I think that aside from nostalgia and the wonderful impulse that is, you'll also just uh, have a greater appreciation for the behavior and the challenge of fishing for panfish and bass, especially with the fly. Today's recommendation on the podcast is uh, the Orvis Dry Release Pullover Hoodie. Now, I'll be completely honest with you. This is an $80, well, $79 long-sleeved hooded t-shirt. But again, this is my recommendation. It might not be for you, but I love this shirt. It's super comfortable. It is incredibly lightweight. For me, it's a three-season shirt. I can wear it by itself in the summertime, and I can wear it with a vest in the spring and the fall. I like it because, again, it has really long sleeves and a really long hemline, so I'm not going to be exposed to the sun. I wear long sleeves virtually all year long because I'm not a fan of the sun. I'm not fair-skinned. I just don't like sunscreen, and uh, to have the protection from the sun with a comfortable shirt, and this one, especially with the hood, is very, very valuable. Now, you might say, well, why would you spend that much money on a shirt? Well, I haven't found one for cheaper that I like as much as this one, and this is quality. It's well-made. The seams are heavy, but they're put off of your shoulders, so it's not going to be uncomfortable uh, with a lot of hiking or casting. And it dries quickly. It doesn't stink after wearing it all day, and it looks good. So again, that's the dry-release pullover hoodie from Orvis. It comes in four colors and then a handful of patterns. Uh, I think it's an excellent shirt, and I would suggest if you are willing to pay a few dollars for a really nice shirt that looks good but is also very very functional that you should check it out you will not be disappointed thanks for listening to the casting across fly fishing podcast please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on itunes then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast 
and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Thank you.